Hey, thank you for tuning in to Passion for Purity. This is the podcast for Christian young men who are fighting to have sexual integrity while living in a hypersexualized culture. I'm your host, Wesley Reinhardt, and this is episode 15, in which I'll interview Dr. John Reinhardt, who is also my father. Uh, in it, we'll discuss some topics ranging from singleness uh, to prepping for and being married. Uh, I know you'll enjoy the episode, so let's dive in. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. So I am excited about today's episode, talking with my father. I, I know this will be a good discussion. I always enjoy it, and I know you will too. Dr. Reinhardt is a professor at Appalachian Bible College, got a PhD in history from University of, of Illinois at Chicago, uh, and he enjoys running and hanging out with his many kids, uh, of which I am one. So dad, thanks for being on today. I know we've talked about this and I kind of sprung it on you here at the end of vacation, but thanks for being here. Wesley, it is a pleasure. I've looked forward to this for a long time, um, at least to get to be a part of this as I've, I wanted to say I'm a long time listener, first time caller here on your show. Yeah, this is absolutely right for, uh, for those faithful listeners, all four of you, uh, there'll be one less because <laughs> dad is here on the show today. So <laughs> anyways, um, uh, in some ways this is a, this is a combination of a lot of conversations that you and I have had together, uh, over the years. And, and I, man, I've learned so much and I know I benefit each time we talk about these things. So, uh, for all those out there in, in cyberspace, I hope you'll, uh, I hope you listen in and, and think on some of these things. Um, so we'll start out just on a, a very general level uh, when it comes to, obviously, young men. We're thinking 18 to, you know, 20-somethings. Uh, so in that stage of either college or, or finishing college, looking forward to marriage or, or life, facing it head-on, and, and grappling with what does it mean to be a man with integrity, um, well, there's a lot of pitfalls, and, and we'll talk about a few of those today. Uh, but let me just ask first, why, you know, why would you say that a young man needs church or a community of other believers, specifically when it comes to his, his integrity, you know, sexual integrity as a, um, as a whole? And, and how are those things kind of linked uh, in many ways? So, yeah, that's the question. Why does, why does he need to seek out church and, and that, that community? Well, first off— because the church is the institution through which Christ is working in this present age. And we're given commands to be connected with a local assembly that the Christian life is not meant to be lived by ourselves, that it's meant to be lived with others to provoke us to love and to good works. And so to say, I want to be a Christian yet I'm going to do it not connected to a local church is a false start. I mean, we're, we're already setting ourselves up with great weaknesses um, regarding integrity because God is the one that has set up all of these things. And so we follow his plans for this present life. And that, so the word of God teaches us that now from a, from a different angle, local church functioning, functioning properly gives us added men that can pour into our lives. So it, I almost think of them as substitute fathers or additional fathers, and in some cases, even additional brothers. You know, it can be colleagues that can help us, but particularly that church puts 
a new circle of people around us that if we will use it, they can provide us some of the challenge, some of the encouragement, some of the accountability so that we can continue on the right path because they've walked through many of those things and made many of the same mistakes. So the local church is supposed to be a community where young men and older men and the rest of the body help one another in this, in this far goal. And not to mention also that a godly young man is going to want to marry a godly young woman and a godly young woman is going to want a young man that's connected with church. So if, and you want a young woman that's connected with church. So there's a, there are many, many reasons why the local church is a key part of our spiritual walk. Ah, this is good. So that, that bit about the church can be kind of an additional father <laughs> or the, the community aspect. I, I mean, I'm sure we can all think of people who at a time in their life, they were saved and, and they joined a local body and it changed their life, the the support and the growth that they needed. Um, can you speak a little bit to just the dangers a young man is facing then if, if he doesn't have the positive role models or if he's not you know, seeking those men out, then what's he looking at? We're going to default then to other models and usually those other role models are likely not going to be what we want, or they're going to be other people that are running through the same struggles that we are. I mean, if I'm, if I'm not connected to a local church, then the friends that I have are very likely not connected to a local church. And then we're sort of floating down a river where the local church can provide and boy, prayerfully will provide some, some direction for us, some help for us as we together seek the Lord. And remembering that church isn't just about receiving, church is also about a place where I can give. So it's it's kind of three ways. Church is a place where we're receiving scripture and preaching given to us, and hopefully there's prayer times together, and then we're receiving from other men, but there also will be others that we can be an influence to as well, because again, the Christian life is not meant to be lived all by ourselves. Yeah, one... One more question along that vein. Um, what are some things that either a young man or a church as an institution can do to to encourage that? And, and maybe you can speak to the negative of ways that they're malfunctioning and not encouraging that connection. But uh, again, you can say as, as a young man, what are some th- steps he can take or what are some steps that a church could take or maybe programs, I guess? <laughs> what can they do to bridge that gap? Well, that's a conversation that's a whole lot bigger than this, this podcast, but we at least need to call it what it is that the church has erred in over segregating by age. And I say over segregating by age because it's not to say that some segregation by age is a bad thing. Um, but practically speaking, the men's basketball night that's going to play two hours of full court basketball is not going to have the 60 year old man likely out there playing. So to say everything has to be done with every single man is not there. But as a rule, the church wants to get the entire community of believers together so we can experience the benefits of of seeing others that have already been there and can help us along the way. I mean, it's practically what you should have in a family. A family ought to be multi-generational so that you can see a grandfather and a father and then a son. And as we transition across the years, you keep bumping up a level and you can follow those that have already been there. And that would include a lots of these issues regarding our sexual integrity 
that we have others that can help us along the way. So that, that concept of additional or, or a, a replacement father, the local church can be that. Now, I, Lord willing, we have a godly father in our, in our life. But if we don't, the local church is the best place to find that godly person. And then older people in our churches, we need to wake up and realize we have a great opportunity to influence younger people who are um, lost in that sense where they don't have godly older male influence and the local church is the best place. So rather than, uh, rather, rather than pushing them away by sort of a standoffishness that the church needs to embrace that, which is a, is again, a bigger conversation, but we need to begin by noting that we have a problem and then we can talk about how we can correct it. And on a, on a really practical level, it's, it's not difficult if you are a, a 20 something married or not, it's not difficult to shoot a text or, or, you know, at, at the back of the church after Sunday morning to say, Hey, older man, so-and-so let's get lunch <laughs> to initiate that. Um, that's another kind of organic Avenue that those relationships can take place. But, um, if, if you don't, if you don't see older men in your church, uh, or you're having a hard time connecting, there are some proactive steps that you can take, uh, and I'd encourage you to do those. And if if you are in that where you're looking at marriage or your adult life, I think you have an opportunity with teens or those your age or younger where those conversations could flow a lot easier than it might be breaking the ice with someone older that uh, you don't have that type of relationship with yet. Um but again, there's the balls in your court in a lot of ways. So uh, hopefully the church is providing opportunities for you to be with older men. Um, and if it's not, then then make your own. You know, again, it can be as simple as a, a text or email or, or one conversation that'll lead to more. So, uh, man, these are all good things. Uh, we need Christian community. Um, zooming in a little bit then for a young man who is who's looking forward to marriage. Maybe he's maybe he's single. Maybe he's dating, maybe he's engaged, but he wants to get to marriage. Um, why, why would you say it's so crucial for him to be porn free or, or fighting incredibly hard? Um, what are the, some of the implications that he's going to face if, if he's not dealing with that as a problem or being, being on guard with it? One of my biggest fears for young men living in this present age is how available pornography is and how easy it is to hide it that cell phones effectively become portable pornography viewing devices and so it's so dangerous it's so available which can mask then just how dangerous it is and so how i would answer your question why is it so important to stay porn free or to stay fighting it is pretty much everything that we want to have as godly men of integrity regarding our morals and our, our, our sexual purity will be made worse or much more difficult if we are consuming pornography with any regularity at all. Images that are cemented into our head that are going to make it difficult for us to have godly thoughts. We're setting ourselves up for trouble when we get married because we now have this stylized picture of what a woman might look like when the woman we marry is not going to be that way after she has children and so forth. So we're damaging ourselves that way. And then all the difficulties with trying to, to master or to be over top of masturbation and those things, if we are putting ourselves, if pornography is a part of our life, 
we are making it so, so difficult. It's like saying, Wesley, I want to swim a mile, but I'm going to do it with these 20 pound weights on my ankles. You say, I'm having a tough time swimming. Well, of course you're putting something on, you know, another analogy I heard that I thought was so, so effective is gasoline is a wonderful tool and flame fire is a wonderful tool and you can put gasoline and flame together in a combustible engine and it does a lot of good but if you put gasoline and flame together in an open setting it's an explosion and when a when a young man is viewing pornography he's taking something that god intended to be good and putting it in something that's going to burn him and so why would he want to continue to do that now trying to deal with this i um I'm sorry for the, this generation because of how readily accessible and how many young men have the decision made for them about pornography by virtue of someone giving them a phone. And then before they know it, they've already watched pornography. And now they're saying, well, now what do I do? Well, you can think of, think of what Jesus said. If, you know, if thine eye offend, they pluck it out. Well, I would slightly modify that to the present time and saying, be draconian in doing what it takes to keep yourself from no longer pursuing those images. And if that's a filter, if it's getting a different phone, if it's not having a phone at all, your sexual integrity is important enough and the battle is significant enough that we simply cannot tolerate a setting where we have that there. And I would also go a long way to also considering what kind of movies that you're watching because we could say, well, I'm not looking at pornography, but if you're looking at shows that have nudity on it, you're looking at pornography. It's just a different way. So be draconian with those things. It's so significant. Man, so much meat there in, uh, in two minutes. Uh, you were, use the word draconian a lot. If you're not sure what that means, you might have to Google it, but wasn't he a, an emperor who... <laughs> A Greek ruler, and the punishment for everything was murder <laughs> or execution. So, uh, be severe. yes, be severe in your your fight against pornography. Uh, and and I I think you've told me it's it's like a bear, and maybe you've heard that quote: "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." Except for bears, bears will kill you. <laughs> um, I know that's a joke, but pornography is a bear, and it will just run around every area of your life, uh, your, your walk with God, your marriage, your sex life, your kids, um, it will get to everything somehow and, and it will destroy. Um, now all of that is not to, to cause unnecessary guilt. If that's a, a part of your life right now, or, or has been a part of your past, that's, it's really to encourage for, for your own sake, for your quality of life. Um, spiritual and, and physical and, and married life going forward. Um, again, that's an encouragement to to make war against the sin. Uh, do whatever you need to do um, to end that. And and again, that generational difference. I I think I did a one of the other episodes was just on how different things have changed in the last fifty years. So again, if you're a young man, uh, you can't be too careful. Um, you're in somewhat of a new spot, but 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 go about it in a wise way. Ah, this is good. For for the young man who's who's in college and is thinking about marriage, um, but just not sure or or maybe can't find someone or is worried about money. Uh, I, I I guess my question is is there is there a good reason not to get married or 
or should you be slow about it? When should you give pause? What would you tell your son if he was having those thoughts going through his head? Okay, Wes, the the first thing is to have a walk with God. So the young man needs, and, and, and this me, I'll call myself a middle-aged man. I need to have a walk with God. And so I need to be pursuing God first. And, but if I have that in place and then I say, well, man, I just find myself constantly thinking about thinking about the aspects of intimacy that boy, I wish I was married. And why am I thinking this way? Well, the God that put the local church as the, as the institution for this age, as far as his work also created the institution of the family, the marriage, and that he intended for us to be married. So the fact that we feel like we want to be married is because God intended for us to be married. So I want to seek God with all that I have, but understand marriage is one of God's good gifts for this time period to live in. And I'm unfortunately, we've created a one of the things that that seems to have happened is young people think I just need to wait, wait, wait to get married. And what I would argue is there is a certain measure of waiting where the man needs to be able to support a family. But supporting a family doesn't mean that you have to, it doesn't mean that you have to effectively be rich already. It just means that you've laid the groundwork so that you have a job and a basis to be able to be able to support a wife and a spiritual walk to be able to support a wife. But beyond that, there wouldn't be a reason to be waiting. And so my young man ought to be thinking, yeah, I need to perhaps finish college or finish some type of trading trade uh, school so that I have a skill that I can work. But getting married is the next really key stop part of that. And I would ask all of us to consider not thinking you need to take a number of years to find yourself. You know, that isn't what God, God didn't say that God said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. God said, it's better to marry than to burn, you know, like that passage in, in Corinthians that Paul says. And so we know young men are going to have problems with thinking about sex and ladies and so forth. So the, one of, one of God's good gifts is sexual relations in the context of marriage. And rather than being an impediment to your life, you'll actually find that a godly marriage grows us. It's not, it's, it's God's intention for this time period. So to sum that up, the, the general Testament of scripture is that is pro marriage, you know, and, and there's a few exception lines in in uh, Corinthians, I believe about, well, you can give yourself to ministry in some ways, but again god's god's plan is the family uh, and and that's that's pretty clear so you might be in a season where where you don't have someone or you're not there financially um and and if god has you in that season then live in it and and be a man of god um but don't don't run from marriage or or, or dating or think that that's that's so far away or out of reach again god created it and and that's what that's what the whole of scripture points to. So then if a young guy is saying, all right, I'm going to get married. Maybe I'm, maybe I've got the girl. Maybe I've got the ring. Uh, let's call it, let's call it 18 months away from marriage. Uh, what are, what are some things you're going to tell that guy then who says he wants to get married and, and he's preparing for it? You know, any, any practical steps to prepare for marriage? Wesley, on that point of what we do to prepare for marriage, I've, I've been influenced a lot by Douglas Wilson and his podcasts and books on this, that 
the young man wants to prepare himself to be the type of man that a godly young woman would want to marry. So you just need to ask yourself, well, what would a godly young woman look for in a husband and then seek to be that person? So whether we talk about a walk with God and we talk about someone who is, is active like this website about wanting to be pure and seeking, working, fighting to be pure, um, to be connected with, with the local church that we talked about, but to be a, a godly young man all the way around. And then, um, also as you're seeking the Lord and as you're walking with the Lord and doing the things that he would have you to do, that's going to be the settings in which the Lord will in his timing, bring the right young woman to you. So, um, be a godly young man. And then God in his timing will bring the right young woman for you. Um, Patience is one of those things that we sometimes also need to exercise in this. But on the other hand, knowing that God intends for most men to be married. So the best way to prepare for marriage is to be a good Christian <laughs> in a lot of ways. Serve in your church, work on your quiet time, fight your sin, and and trust God um, that that he will align things in his time. So we've, we've talked about our... <laughs> our single guys, our single young men for everyone, and then preparing for marriage. Uh, so let's crack open that stage then in the first guys who are in the first few years of marriage. So this is me uh, trying to figure out what am I doing here? Uh, what did I just commit to? Um, looking at the, the lifelong covenant of marriage, uh, what are some things that a a young married guy needs to know as, as he's looking all of this uh, kind of on the front end. Wesley, this would take three podcasts, maybe more. To, to piggyback on why you need to have young older men around you that can help provide some basis for what you're going through. Because while marriage is wonderful, marriage also confronts us with some new things. I mean, we're, that we're living in close proximity to a female now. And a female that sees us all the time, a female that um, we're getting to see her all the time, good days and bad and so forth. Um, I think of how Peter there in First uh, Peter 3 and verse 7 says, for the husband to dwell with a wife according to knowledge. And for us to then say, boy, I have a lot to learn about how to help my wife through things because your wife doesn't look at things like you do, doesn't look at anything like you do. And I then need to realize God has put me here to love her like Christ loved the church. And I need to be careful not to be selfish. Selfish is the word that comes to mind that really touches on all of this. I mean, I can be selfish with my sexual desires in that I am expecting her to meet all of my needs, but not giving any thought to what her needs are. And um, I, Wesley and I, we talked about this before that I can't find the quote, but that men tend to th married men tend to think about sex about 30 times more than women do. Now just let that sink in. If you're already married, you wonder why doesn't she, you know, it's something that's fun and it's free. Why don't we want to do this? Well, the perception is just totally different. Um, so I would watch for just watch for selfishness is a major thing that will hurt you and your long run in the long run, your marriage is going to be better when it's not rooted in your own selfishness. Now also prayerfully putting things where we as husband and wife can, you want your wife also to be aware of these things too. So reading good books that will help one another to open up to both of you, how, how different you are. Um, I, I made 
some reference to a, a woman's monthly, you know, her monthly cycle, and even to learn about that. Um, to learn what you expect if you didn't grow up with sisters then boy or your family was really closed mouth about that which I, I admit my family was very closed mouth about that that's going to be something you're going to have to learn to you're going to have to learn how can I help my wife in the in this time and uh, uh, my pastor back in Wisconsin used the analogy of there's a time in the month where it seems like spring and everything is alive and good and there's no problems and then summer which sort of builds on that and then fall comes along and the leaves start to die and things start to look darker and then you hit winter and what happened to spring well that's that's part of God's God's the way that God set up this present time of living that a woman is captive to this cycle and you husband I husband am also captive to the cycle and I can pretend like it doesn't exist or I can learn and it'll save us a lot of difficulties if we recognize we're not just fighting our normal only sin nature we're also fighting the emotional and hormonal changes that a woman goes through that she can't control and I need to learn to love her during those things. Now, if a lady listens to this, I am not demeaning the ladies in, in about this. It's just simply a fact of life. And to pretend like it doesn't exist is not going to help anybody. So husband, you dwell with her according to knowledge. And I'm talking to myself and, and don't be selfish in this. Um, that selfishness can also branch out into me feeling like I need me time. You got married you really gave up the right to hobbies by getting married. You now have a wife and I hope the Lord gives you children. And that really is your hobby. So man, and talking to this man, to myself, I'm going to have to be careful that I don't let my own hobbies take the place of what's most significant because my wife and my children are my most significant investment that I can be making. I again would put that above my church ministry and my college ministry. That's my most significant investment. And yet Satan can get us upside down in that thinking somehow what God has given us as our best and we can see it as a drudgery or not as important. Yeah. Well, you're right. We need, we need four or five or six episodes on this, maybe an entire podcast. Um, the root word of selfishness that you said there, and you kind of connected it to several different areas. And I, man, that's, that's something that I am, I am looking down the barrel of right now and, and, and having to dive into. And I, I think what you said there about hobbies, that's something that in the last six months I've, well, <laughs> the last six months, because we have a, a six month old child, uh, I've, I've started to wrestle with, um, wait, where's, where's all my me time. And, and and what am I going to do? And I'm I'm having to slow, slowly come to grips with. Uh, there's just there's not a lot of place for that. Not to say no place for it, but um, video games. You know that's that's probably a big one that most young men would. Well, that's my thing. Uh, I've I've been doing a lot of reading. That's that's a thing that I'm I'm trying to adapt. Uh, running or biking. Again, those are just those are just me things. But I'm seeing even now, the effect that that will have on my ability to be a husband and a dad, uh, especially if I'm away for eight hours a day working a job, um, when I get back and my wife is saying, all right, here I am, let's do family time. Uh, again, the time for the time for solo pursuits just gets sucked up. And, and again, that's not to call it a sin in and of itself, but I, I think of Ephesians 5 and husband, you are called to give of yourself for your wife. And so 
you are laying down, you're laying down, you know, part of your life. You're giving that away. Um, and, and dad, like you said, it's, it's an investment. And I think that's a big part of wisdom is seeing that in the long term of my life, no matter how many video game levels I got to, it will just not amount to, to really anything at all. <laughs> it just won't amount to much. Whereas you think about forming a really a soul, a person raising a, a kid um, and, and the investment that a, a marriage is of putting the time and work and energy and conversations. Um, all of that is, is truly a valuable life. And again, here I am talking like, <laughs> like I've got it down. Um, so maybe can you just say a few more thoughts to, to the young man as to how he can navigate. Um, but what about my me time? Don't I need, don't I need some release time or is my life just one 24 hour round the clock, um, full-time job? I go to work and then I get back and go to work. You know, what would you tell that young guy who's wrestling with that? Because he's sitting across the table from you. I would tell him that's what you signed up for when you became a husband, that you are, you're the one with the big shoulders and it comes time where you're going to have to do some hard things for the sake of your family. Um, I, I, I trust that you want God to give you children, but children are going to be a great amount of work and are going to be a tremendous pull on your wife. And we have to come along and have our, have our fair share of helping our wives during all that time. I mean, to be careful to make sure that your wife has some time that she gets to be quiet and gets to be a part of things herself. Um, and if you and your wife have a good relationship, your wife is also going to know that you're going to be, you're going to be healthier and happier if you do have some time to do some pursuits. But the key there is to put your wife first and in the context of a spiritual relationship where we're putting ourselves under the sound of, of, of preaching and teaching that's going to help us have a balance because all of these things that we're, we're mentioning, they can be imbalanced, you know, where you can, the man can say, well, I don't have any time, which is unhealthy. And our, you know, physical activity is a good thing. You know, our, our mental processes and all are going to be better, but to be, to be done, excuse me, in moderation rather than letting it take over me. And I'm a, I'm ahead of you in this stage. Um, I, in fact, just this last year, I ran the first marathon after lots of years of wanting to do it. But one of the reasons I could justify running the marathon this year is I have a 16-year-old son at home who could run and train with me so that when I went on the training runs, well, then I had a son with me so that it wasn't just me. It was also investing in him and us getting to do something together, which made it much more plausible as, yes, I can justify this right now in my life because when I get to heaven, it's not going to, God's not going to ask me how many cheap medals did you get? You know, where it's going to be much more important that I've invested in my family. So uh, Wesley, I know we're talking about a hard thing about this selfishness, but put it in the context of a walk with God. And one of our other questions we're going to be talking about is reading good books that help us in our role as husbands, but then also good books that help our wife to know how she can be a help to us. You know, you, you're learning how to be a godly husband. You want your wife also to be receiving influence about how she can be a godly wife to you. And together that becomes a wonderful thing where you're helping one another because marriage is a hundred percent both giving. Yes. And I, I believe the term you've used or that we've tossed around is sledgehammer books of it's good for us as men to have a regular diet of 
of books that every page will will come up and whack you right in the face <laughs> and say, here's something you need to think about or do, uh, because because our tendency isn't to to lean towards other people. <laughs> our tendency is to be self-serving and self-seeking and to slip into kind of this rut of, well, what's working for me right now and and kind of leave it at that. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about books then. Uh, can you think of a few uh, that a young man might might pop on Amazon and and pull off and read as he's as he's either about to get married or he's married right now and saying, okay, what what can I do to make this go better uh, and be more God honoring? Um, yeah, what are a few that have been influential for you uh, over the last years of your life? Well, I'm I have been. I already mentioned I I liked the author Doug Wilson and I like his podcast, but I first liked his book. Um, he has a book called Reforming Marriage, which I would say is the original Sledgehammer book. That's the one that I read and thought, man, he's killing me. Just seems like every page, but I needed to be killed. I needed to realize some of the dangers that marriage brings and its joys. And so I would commend to you Reforming, Reforming Marriage by Douglas Wilson. Now, if you're not yet married, Wilson also wrote a book called Her Hand in Marriage, that I think you'd find to be challenging and help you to think about the process more than just from you. You know, it kind of helps you to think about it from the parent side and um, that, that would also be an encouragement to you. Um, For a newly married man, a book that would also be helpful is something along the lines of understanding the mind of a woman or the secret to a happy marriage is understanding the mind of a woman. And uh, John Van Geldern, an evangelist friend of mine, he said, understanding the mind of a woman, is it blank, you know, or, or is it a several volume set? (laughs) No, it's, it's a short, simple book that's written in a very conversational style. In fact, it's already, it's probably 30 years old now. So even some of the cultural references are, are getting dated. But the basic gist of that book is, if God says, dwell with your wife according to knowledge, he wasn't giving you something that it wasn't you weren't able to do. So stop hiding behind the fact that women are mysterious and realize that you as a husband, you have a responsibility to love her like Christ loved the church and to learn to love her the way that she is, not just the way that you want to make her out to be. Again, you wouldn't have married her if she was like you anyway. So you need to uh, remember that the differences are part of the blessing. And for all of our... Uh militant theological nerdy listeners <laughs> do you want to comment at all about how you don't love everything that douglas wilson says or does oh yeah i uh i'm a premillennial dispensationalist so i know that douglas wilson is not i also am a baptist and douglas wilson is not however douglas wilson has shown himself to be very He's a good writer and he has a good understanding of these issues. And I have not found the books that I made reference to full of things that cause me every page to be thinking, oh, come on, Wilson, let me alone on that. You know, he, I can tell that he's writing those books because he wants an audience of people like me and not just people like him. Good. On the, uh, on the family, much to learn from, uh, from Wilson's books. And it it sounds like what you said there a minute ago that that men and women are different. Is is that what you were getting at with discovering the mind of a woman? <laughs> yes, and we're so very thankful for the differences. Um, if, but because we're different, the self that's where this this the selfishness can tend to come in and frustration. Um, in our pre-interview talk here. 
the fact that even now I'm learning how I can avoid arguments at certain times of my wife's month just because I know part of this is being driven because her hormones have got it to where she's going to just think more critically of everything. And so a young man and old man, remember when your wife mentions a problem to you, you can't go defensive immediately. You have to learn just to listen and that your wife is very likely pointing out problems that she's not blaming you for completely, but that you want to work on together. But my natural inclination as a man, if my wife is bringing up a problem, she is undermining me and she's criticizing me. And I respond to that. And then we end up in an argument that could have been avoided if I would stop and listen and then try to say something like, so if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is this and lay it out what it is rather than taking things personal. And I, uh, it took me a long time and I'm still not quite there. Okay. It's still, uh, it's still, it still is difficult for me after almost 30 years of marriage. When my wife brings up a problem, I, I immediately start thinking she's criticizing me. She doesn't think I'm a good husband, even though I know that she, I mean, she stuck with me all of this time. So that's not, that's not it at all. Good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing Dad. This is all, this is all helpful stuff. And again, I, I don't think anyone would, would hear it this way, but for the listeners and for us, uh, Women are amazing and can do things that <laughs> men are just not capable of. And, and like I said, I'm being a dad for six months now and you being a dad for 28 years or 29, something like that. <laughs> uh, I am, yeah, I, I'm shocked. And, and so we both, yeah, we all need God and, and we all need to learn to love uh, unselfishly. Yeah, so so I encourage you uh, to to get online and and maybe order or read read a couple of those books. I think I've read at least one of those. I haven't read Discovering the Mind of a Woman, so maybe I'll add that to the uh, the book list for this year. Um, I think we're we're somewhere between thirty five and forty minutes. So <laughs> to land this plane, we usually we usually read a verse uh, to send us off. So. Uh, do you have a, a verse and a few thoughts that you can encourage us with from the text? Yeah, I'd like to take us to Second Peter chapter 1, the first four verses. Um, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, I wanted to focus on verses 3 and 4. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And I am so encouraged by verse three that reminds me that I have all that is needed for life and godliness in Christ, in the divine power that is mine through my relationship with Christ. And then verse four, how it reminds us that those exceeding great and precious promises found in the word of God, these are the key for me to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, that victory is possible. And in fact, I'd say that these, these verses teach us that victory is God's intention for us, that he wants for us to walk in victory. And so these verses have been a great help to me for a long time and they continue to be. Oh, that is a, a challenge for sure. We have what we need through the divine promises to know the text. So 
Dad, thank you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing. And I, I hope that the listeners out there uh, will bear with us. We, we are still a one mic podcast. We haven't invested in, <laughs> in a dual setup, so uh, we pass it back and forth. But as as we've had this conversation, I just reflect on how uh, this is bits and pieces of things that you've told me throughout the years, or or that we've had these. We've had these talks, and I'm I'm thankful that you did not spare uh, what were probably many times awkward conversations, uh, but to talk about just the real facts of life and and what it takes to be a man in this age, and and to to be a one woman man, to love a wife, and and uh, be fruitful and build God's kingdom uh, through your family. That is a a high calling and a challenge. It takes work, um, but it's worth it. Uh, it's worth it all. So uh, any last remarks uh, for the young men before we wrap up here? A godly marriage is, and, and raising children is really the most fulfilling thing that you're going to do. I know this world will offer lots of other things that will seem to present to you better. But in the end, at the end of the day, I think you'll find that having a godly family and pursuing that will bring you the most satisfaction. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you, Dad. Um, just before we wrap up, I have a few shout outs. If your name is Jordan or Nate or Carlton, I want to say thank you for either texting me or uh, asking about the podcast and spurring me to uh, get something of another episode out. Uh, I hope that you were encouraged by today's thoughts and I, I hope that you are challenged uh, to be a, a godly man, whether you're single and you're not interested in a girl, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married. Uh, I, I hope that you will you will pursue a godly life and that you will build your life around the great and precious promises that we have and God's word. That's all we need. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, until next time, keep fighting.